listeners, we are on season two of the podcast, Life is Better with You in It, with your humble host, Jen Kramer. And we've got a very fun guest on the podcast today, and his name is Kevin Capehart. And so Kevin is a friend of ours. So hi, Kevin. Say hi. Hi, Jen. How you doing? <laughs> doing wonderful. And Kevin is a singer-songwriter, has a day job, is a dad, probably does all of the things that are entailed with being a dad and having a full-time job and a full life. And so I want to bring people on the podcast that are all about um, being with people and navigating transitions. And so transitions, I think, always happen, um, whether they're good, bad, ugly, and we all have different seasons of life when it comes to a transition. So Kevin, tell us a little bit about you and uh, about your journey and um, maybe tell us a little bit about your day job and this whole thing about singer-songwriter. Yeah. So uh, music's always been a, a big part of my life, um, at least since like high school. I got into to writing music. I was in like a couple post-hardcore bands, which is very different from what I do right now. Um, it's kind of the natural progression. I think you grow up and and you get a little bit more acoustic emo, right? And that's, that's where we all sit in our 30s. Um, so <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, I uh, that's always been a big thing for me. Um, of course, I kind of I didn't really do it too extensively um, for a long time. Um, I had a lot of insecurities about it. Um, most artists do, right? Um, and so I kind of, yeah, I, I let that kind of take over and and kind of drive what I was doing. So I was always kind of a background piece, either playing drums or playing guitar for other people's music. Um, and so about a year and a half ago, uh, my best friend unfortunately died at 36 years old uh, from COVID. And um, that really just put things into perspective for me. Wow. Um, and I had this thing that I'm passionate about and always wanted to do, but was always scared to do it. And, um, you know, as cliche as it sounds, you know, just realize that life is short. And if mm -hmm. this is what makes me happy, then this is what I got to get out and do. And so for the last year and a half or so, I've been writing, uh, pretty extensively and playing out, you know, two to three times a week and meeting people and, and all that good stuff. Um, wow. My day job, uh, I'm a I'm a genetic counselor. I don't know if that means anything to you, but oh, uh, tell us more about what that is. <laughs> I've never heard of that job. Yeah, so I work uh, in a clinical genetic setting. Um, essentially, my job is to uh, help people understand how their DNA impacts their health. And so I work specifically in cancer, um, which uh, people come to me if they either have a personal history or family history of cancer. Um, we talk through family histories and genetic testing and, and then whether or not we need to change any medical management based on their DNA. Um, so that's that. That pays the bills for me to be able to get out and do this stuff. Uh, it's fun. I enjoy it. But yeah, music music, and and then family is, uh, is the passion really for me. You know, isn't it crazy how you can um, go through like a season of grief and just realize how short life really is? Like it feels very long some days. And like, I think there are some seasons in life where it feels very long, but you realize when you're not promised tomorrow, it almost like forces you into a new season of life to like, kind of like grab life by the horns and go, okay, I'm just going to like take advantage of this now. And I have tomorrow and I have right now. So like, let's just go. So um, love your work that you do as a DNA counselor. Do you have a lot of people that come to you? Um, like, like, is it, is that like a busy, is that a busy gig um, being able to like work with people who want to check their DNA just based on family history and stuff? Yeah, unfortunately it is right. Wow. <laughs> unfortunately, unfortunately. Um, but um, yeah, so I probably see about 500 patients a week or not a week. Ooh, that'd be a lot. I was <laughs> 500 like, <patients>. wow. <laughs> 500 sleep? patients a year. 
Okay. Um, and so I, I work with a team of, uh, of four other uh, genetic counselors as well. And so um, we each see about five patients a day. Um, and yeah, we've got kind of a backlog now of like two months with like 200 patients that are always just ready and needing to get scheduled. So it's constant and it's busy, uh, but wow. it's good. What is one pattern or maybe one tip that you can tell listeners? Because I'm sure anyone that's listening to this podcast has known someone that's affected by cancer, right? Like I think about it right now. I've got a couple people at the top of my mind who I know have battled cancer or who have gone to heaven from it. So tell me um, or listeners, like, is there one thing that you see? Like, obviously we can't change our DNA, but I think that like diet and exercise and everything is a huge impactful. So Maybe what's like one freebie tip that you can tell us that you tell everybody at the clinic? Yeah. So as far as like environmental stuff goes, um, that's kind of hard to put a kind of put a finger on how much that's contributing. Um, you know, I, my, my cliche thing that I tell everybody is, you know, everybody can think about like smoking being like the main prominent thing for things mm -hmm. like lung cancer or bladder cancer or something like that. Um, and, but the thing is, is a lot of people know somebody that smokes their entire lives and they don't get a cough. Right. But then right. other people smoke a little bit in college or they have access to secondhand smoke and they end up getting stage four lung cancer. Yeah. So it's hard to say with like environmental stuff, you know, my, my, my go-to is just to tell everybody, you know, the same things you've heard your whole life, right. Live healthy lives, do what you can. Um, and then the big things that our family history, we're starting to realize that that is a, a lot more impactful than we once thought. And so if there's, you know, a pattern of any one type of cancer in your family and you're curious about it, then, you know, talk to your doctor about it, talk to get about getting referred to a genetic counselor like myself. Um, and we can work through that with you and figure out if there is anything in your DNA that puts you at a higher level, uh, going forward. Wow. So. Interesting. All right. So let's kind of pivot to this singer songwriter passion. So you went through a season and a transition of, of grief and you've kind of put yourself out there in the public space, right? Where you kind of open yourself up to criticism because you're, you're doing a new thing and you're doing something and you feel like you're a beginner at it, but you're super passionate about it. And it seems like right now you've been doing it pretty consistently. So you told me that you went on this journey from being an introvert to an extrovert. And was this part of that journey and transition for you? And tell our listeners about that, because I don't know how much I believe you. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. So to be fair, um, I, I, I will say um, that, so I, I don't do the, what is the Enneagram? I, I'm not real oh, yeah, familiar yeah. with that, but yeah. uh, I've only my done generations was like the Myers-Briggs, right? And so um uh, back when I was an introvert, you know, the, the two were close, right? So they weren't, I think I was like a, like 35% introvert, uh, or sorry, 35% extrovert and like 65% introvert. Right. So like okay. I have social, I used to always describe myself as being a social introvert. Um, so one that likes to go out, but needed to recover at home. Right. Uh -huh. Um, and so I would get drained and basically I could go out a couple of times, uh, you know, a week. But then I would get super drained and need to just be at home for like a week straight to kind of recover and get myself back to where I was. So that was the starting point for me. So it wasn't something like somebody that just like has social anxiety and is able, unable to get out. It was really all about the recharging for me. Um, so with that in mind, though, I now have started to recharge more with people, which is kind of crazy. And that, so that's why I say I've made that change. And it really has come about through music. And so, you know, when I first started this journey, um, 
the open mic scene is really, uh, really big in Charlotte. Um, there's a lot of really cool open mics um, that a lot of talented musicians go to. My experience with open mics before coming to Charlotte um, was almost like a glorified karaoke, right? Kind of oh, everybody yeah, yeah, gets yeah. up there um, and you know, it's almost kind of a joke, right? Um, but it's very serious here. There's a, there's a, uh, that's kind of where everybody goes to get their start. And so you meet a lot of really talented musicians at these open mics. Um, and so, yeah, it became, there's this one, um, at a, a distillery, um, in an, a little neighborhood here in Charlotte called Noda. Um, it's called, uh, Great Wagon Road Distillery. Um, and they have an open mic on Wednesday nights and I had gone to one open mic and, um, I, I met a musician who was like, man, your sound is really cool. You should go check out GWR. I think you'd fit in really well and like meet a lot of people there. Um, and so I went the next week and, you know, over the next, you know, year, a, a lot of those people became, um, you know, who I would consider to be some of my closest friends uh, now in this stage of life. Um, and it was all through sharing music and sharing, you know, what's on my heart and listening what's on their heart. And, um, you know, it's become a family. And so I think because of that, you know, this community that we have now, um, I think that's what recharges me. That's what I want to be in. And so if I'm having a bad day or I've had a bad week, I'm looking forward to Wednesdays. I'm looking forward to going and being with my family so that I can recharge and I can, you know, share what's on my heart and share what I'm doing. You know, my, I might have a song that's not done yet and I'll just play it for him. Right. And that used wow, to scare me. That's great. Yeah, it used to scare me because it's 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 um it's vulnerable. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, when you meet those people and you get to be with people that make you feel good about yourself, right? And that you can make feel good about themselves, um, it it just it changes things. And so that's why when um, you know, I'm sorry, I know you had him on last week, but uh Chris uh okay, Chris. Chris, yeah, Chris Conley uh turned me on uh to this and you. Um, I was all about it because this is right down uh, my alley and, and what I'm focused on is being with people and how that's just life-changing. Oh, it's amazing. So you've gone through this like transition of like, you know, being introverted and having to recharge by yourself, but mm -hmm. you've found this community and I'm a firm believer that you are the five people that you're around the most, whether you like it or not. And so it really makes you think about the people that you hang around the most with, right? Your spouse is someone who you've kind of committed to, to, to your life, but then the other people that you interact with on the day-to-day -day basis, they can really impact like who you end up being. And so it sounds like they've kind of helped bring you out of like whatever the shell is and then help you express your passion. Um, walk me through how it felt maybe the first time that you did an open mic night, because it, it, for me, I don't sing well, right. And I don't play instruments. I've always wanted to sing. I don't know how to do that. But, um, when you did your first open mic night and it was a respected thing, right. Not just a glorified karaoke. What did that feel like for you the first time? It was wild. You know, so my, you know, my heart obviously is like mm -hmm. pumping in my chest, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so, all right. So to set it up, so I can give you a picture of what the open mics, uh, can look like in Charlotte. Mm -hmm. So, um, one of the most popular ones is on a Monday night, uh, at a place called the evening Muse. Um, it's a music venue, it's a listening room. Uh, and so you go, even at an open mic, the expectation is that everyone is sitting down quiet and listening to the music. Uh, people go there for that reason, right? Wow. They go there for music. There are drinks, but you're not there for the drinks. You are there for the music. 
Um, and so on a Monday night, there is anywhere from 75 to 150 people sitting down and listening to music. You get two songs if you play two originals. You get one song if you play a cover. Um, uh, and then you're off. And you go in there, you draw a number. You don't know when you're going to go. You can get there early, but you draw a number and you go. So the first time I went, um, I drew seven. There's, there's 20, 20 spots, and then there goes to be a wait list. So usually ends up going to about 1030 uh, based on that. And they, they have a feature performer uh, around 830 that plays a 30-minute set. Um, so I go in, I draw a seven, which is like two before the feature performer, which, you know, for me is like, it's great. I'll get out of here early, right? I, yeah. I don't have to be out late. Um, but then it's a little bit mind blowing because at that point, everybody's starting to come in for the feature. And so, um, there probably was about 125, 150 people just sitting in the audience. And so I go up there and intently listening to you, <laughs> intently listening to you. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so, yeah, I, I go on and of course, you know, I, I feel like I want to throw up at first. Right. Mm -hmm. But okay. you go up there and, you know, I think the thing about, or, you know, at least original music, um, is you know, at that point it's, it's things that I play over and over and over again. And so, um, you know, once I start going, it's fine, but it's kind of the build up or coming off where you're like, oh my gosh, what do people think? But when you're up there, you're kind of in the zone and you just, you just do it. Um, you just send it and see what happens. You just press send. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it went well and it was fine. It was great. Um, there was uh, like a pretty good response. And like I said, I met, um, I met some people uh, that night. I'm going to plug some people throughout this because I think Got they're all people do. that you should check out. Yeah, um, sure. First off is the trash king, Tyler Hill. Okay. I'm wearing his shirt. This is Love one of my it. really good friends, Tyler, T-Y-L-O-R Hill. Uh, you can find him on uh, social media and, and uh, streaming platforms. Um, but the feature that night was a, a guy called Low Groves. Um, and he found me afterwards and he's the one that told me about GWR. And so it was just this thing where, you know, you, you come in and you're really nervous and you're, you you do not know what you're going to do. You don't, you're, you're afraid to press send, right. But you just do it and you put yourself out there and you make it happen. And, you know, even if nothing did come from it, right. Just starting it, just, just doing it the next time it gets easier. Right. And the time after that, it gets easier. Um, but I was fortunate enough that, um, you know, to find people that enjoyed and liked what I did and then, you know, kind of putting me on to connecting me with other people and, and doing other things at that time. It's amazing how you do just hit press send, but like other things happened for that button to get pressed. And so what would you tell someone who's waiting for the right time to press send on a passion project that they have, maybe a book that's in their mind that they haven't written yet, or, um, maybe somebody that they need to talk to and fix a relationship with. How would you tell, like, what would you tell a listener if they're listening today and they're, they're, they have their finger ready to press send, but they haven't done it yet. What would you tell them? There is no right time. Mm -hmm. I think that's the main thing, right? Mm -hmm. Is that, um, you know, I think it's, you can go back and forth in your head. And obviously if you're trying to put out a product, right, you want it to be as good as it can be. Um, but at a certain point, you can be your own worst critic. Right. And, and that's where I think a lot of people get stuck. Um, and especially in the music world. So I have, I have friends who are incredible musicians um, and they, they kind of just sit on their projects. Maybe they're trying to mix the whole thing themselves and they're trying to do everything. And when you listen so intently to something that you're doing over and over and over again, you're going to find things that you don't like about it. You can always find things that need improving. Yeah. Um, but I think it's, I think it's, if it's something that you're creating, right, it's, it's developing your compass so that you can just say, I'm going to hit, I'm going to hit send now and I'm going to let it go. And the first 
I, I, I read a quote one time and I don't know who said it. Um, but, uh, it said that when people listen to your music for the first time, the reaction that they're having is what you had the first time you heard it and got excited about it. Right. Oh, wow. So it's not, it's not about going in and perfecting it. Right. It's that feeling that it made you feel where you say, this is good. This is worth expanding on. This is worth me putting out and sharing with somebody. And so I think that that can go as far as, you know, writing a book, a podcast, yeah. uh, music, art, you know, whatever. And then as far as relationships go, right. You know, I am a huge, huge advocate for just throwing that cost throwing shit out there. Oh yes. Oh <laughs> so, yes, sir. <laughs> so for just throwing shit out there and mm. saying, you know, hey, I'm willing to own what I did, right? Just let me know what I did. And we can talk about it. And if we ultimately have to part ways at the end, then that's fine. But now we're still better off because there's not this thing in between us mm. that's just driving a wedge further and further. So I, I think that's the thing. I'm rambling a bit, but I think it's just that there is no there is no good time. Um, you know, people talk about it with having kids, right? Oh, I want to have this in place and I want to do this and I want to do this, but mm -hmm. you're always going to feel poor. You're always going to feel not ready. Mm -hmm. You're always going to not have what you think that you need. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I think that it's just getting into a mindset that if it's art that you're creating, that it's something that makes you excited one, right. And if it makes you excited, then there's going to be somebody out there that it makes excited as well. Right. Even yeah. if it's only one person, right. But even if not, it makes you excited. So put it out there. Um, and then if it's anything else, just just get going. Listeners. I mean, you heard it from Kevin. He says to like, just press send and go. And there's never a perfect time. And I want to, I want to pivot mm -hmm. our conversation to talking about growing up because when we grow up, you know, we, I, you know, in school for me, it was getting all of the right grades and getting the best grades and not missing a lot of school and getting on this path. And then when I graduated school, I'm like, shit, What's going to be my job? I love being with people, but like, what does that mean? Well, that honestly means 20 million different things. So like I even fell into the job that I do now, just based on a hunch that I wanted to work with people. But I feel like when we grow up and our kids are watching us grow up right now and they're watching you do this thing for the first time, right? And so um, they learn from us what it means to be an adult, right? They learn from us what it means to chase our passions and to hit send on stuff. So how do you encourage your own kids, right? Because they're watching you um you know, go after this passion and chase this passion. So how do you think you parent differently now? And maybe what would you tell people that have kids um, that and they want to pursue a passion, right? Because there's no right time. There's not enough time. There's never going to be enough money because there's always something to pay for for these kids. But what what would you tell somebody that's, um, you know, maybe wanting to encourage their kids to press send sooner? Yeah. So this is, this is, I mean, this is a huge thing, right? It, as, as a dad. Um, so I've got three boys, nine, seven, and five. Minor um, boys too. First all right. yeah. How many do you have? Yeah, I have two. Okay. Yeah. It's mm -hmm. wild. It's a wild time. <laughs> I'm uh, surrounded <laughs> by men. So <laughs> Even our dog is a, is, is a boy. So my poor <laughs> wife. Uh, <laughs> so, yes, um, I understand. <laughs> But yeah, so we, um, it's a huge thing. My, um, my oldest son is a bit of a perfectionist. I think that is a, I, I'm not the oldest and neither is my wife. And so that's a new thing for us to try to navigate and figure out, you know, how to, how to teach him and help him grow and, and you know, press send. Right. Mm. Um, and I think a big thing that I, I tell him a lot, you know, I, I actually make him quote it a lot whenever he gets like really in his head. Um, uh, I tell him, um, what is that? What did I say? Um, 
failure is a part of the process, not a result. Mm. Right. And so that's the, that's the thing, right. Is that, um, if you don't, if you don't put yourself out there and fail, you can't learn right yeah. now, if you fail over and over and you refuse to learn, then your failure becomes a result, right? That's, that's the end product. Um, but if you just make it part of your process and you say, I'm going to do something new and it's going to make me uncomfortable and I'm not going to be great at it right away. Um, then that's okay. Then whatever you do wrong or incorrectly or need to improve in, then you can, you can notice what that is and you can work on it. So that's, that's our quote failure. Failure is part of the process, not a result. I love that. I think about, it reminds me of a quote I heard about um, getting something to 80% and then the 20% is just yeah. you. Um, and so a lot of times in life, I think we want to get to that 100% and have something be totally perfect. Um, but it's awesome for our kids to see us fail and send it and then learn from it. And so they're also watching how we learn or how we accept failure and what that looks like. I've obviously, you know, I've been in, I've been doing um, work on my own for two years now. And so when I first started, I just, just decided to send it. Like, can I do this on my own? Is this going to be a thing? Haven't looked back since love it. Um, but there have been times along the way where I failed and I've had terrible days and I will sit at the dinner table and we do a high low. So any listeners out there, if you, are like you've got kids and you want to find a way to connect with them we do high low every day um because i feel i felt like tell me about your day was like they'd recount everything but like the high low like it really gets into like what what are what is something that they're thinking about and now they've got to be prepared to talk to me about it but i will tell them on my lows like i learned today x and this was terrible for me. And I had a bad conversation or I knew I did not get this one gig that I was like applying for because I said this and like this did not go well. And I let my mind, you know, I let my mind get the best of me because I feel like if we keep talking about the failures and the ways in which we learn, I feel like they're going to learn how to accept it and hopefully send it sooner than I did because I waited until I was good and ready to leave my job to try to go out on my own. But I'm like, please send it sooner, send it sooner because you, you never know, like there's so much opportunity in this world for us to learn and um, pursue a passion because no one probably gave you permission to do the singer songwriter, right? No one, nope. no one, no <laughs> one said, you know what, you should do that. And you're like, oh yeah, I'm gonna, cause now I have permission. You just decided to go. Just do it. Mm. All right, <laughs> listeners, you've heard it first. Try to just send it today and and remember that your kids are watching you and the ways in which that you're failing and you're learning and you, you're not guaranteed tomorrow. So if you've got a passion, if you've got something that's on your heart today, send it. Yeah. And this, and it, it doesn't even go just to your kids and there's everybody mm-hmm. around you there. Yes. Everybody is feeling the way that you feel, right? That's yeah. the big thing is that there's nothing new. And that's what, that's, what's really cool about being with people is that, um, you get to experience them being good at something that you're not good at and you get to be something that they're not good at. And so if they experience you doing this then you give them more confidence to do it. And so do it for yourself, do it for your kids, do it for everybody. For everybody, because they'll be impacted by you too. Mm, so good. All right, Kevin, thanks for being on the podcast today of life is better with you in it. And I love how you are being with people and you found this awesome community as you transition and you work on your passion project. I love it. Uh, listeners will put in a link to, to his website so you can take a look, but thanks Kevin for being on today. Thanks Jen. So much for having me on. This is fun. All right. Life is better with you in it guys. Have a wonderful day.
darn it. Damn it, Evan. All right.